hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. All right, we are in a series that some of you may remember is called King and Kingdom. Some of you don't remember. (laughs) You have the Holy Spirit. You can remember all things. And I'm... uh... (laughs) I know, I'm smiling. It's the joy of the Lord. And the fact that what I have to do here without hearing precisely from him, I am not going to be able to accomplish this. So, let us believe God together. In fact, pray with me. Father, I know what you have for my beloved family, for all of these crazies that have humbled themselves to this culture your culture. I know what you have for them. Father, thank you for giving me insight and wisdom and clarity through your spirit. To do this well, be pleasing to you, and honor the king and his kingdom. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen with me. If you don't agree, leave. Luke chapter 12 is our foundation for what we're doing in this series. We start in verse 29 to remind you this was the message that Jesus preached. It was the message. If he was teaching or he was preaching... It somehow revolved around the message of the kingdom. He didn't come to teach about heaven. He didn't come to teach about hell. He didn't come to teach about morality. He didn't come to teach. He came to show the people that were crazy enough to believe that their creator, the father in heaven, had a plan for them that was of divine scope. He came to show them what that kingdom was and demonstrate it. All of the miraculous encounters and releases that the Son of Heaven had for mankind were to show us, give us a visual, physical interpretation of what the kingdom coming would look like. Every healing was Jesus bringing a physical body into congruency with heaven's reality. Walking on water wasn't to show off. 
It was to give us a demonstration of the fact that even gravity itself has to bow its knees to the laws of the kingdom of heaven. Calming a storm, wind, and waves with words is totally normal in the kingdom. In fact, some of the destruction and devastation that is in many people's lives in this room is because you curse yourself incessantly with your own words. You have built a kingdom of curse by damning yourself over and over with words. And you give your heart no other choice but to add substance to your curses. You are not cursed from heaven. And you cannot be cursed by hell, but you can curse yourself. And people do it all the time. I'm witness to it. The amazing part is I'm a preacher. So if I'm witness to it, because people put on their best fake selves around me. So if I hear it. We all know what your stub toe in the middle of your garage hears. <laughs> and you think your father's not there. <laughs> you poor fool. Those words carry life or death. The things that I've heard parents speak over their children have made me almost physically assault people. In fact, one time, since Kay's downstairs, she can't stop me. One time we were in Walmart and this was happening and I did not act spiritual with the parent. I don't want to say much more than that. I don't know what the... <laughs> I don't know how legal... What's the, what's the length of time that you can be... Never mind. I don't want to. Anyway, because I was so irritated at these parents cursing their children to death. And it's so common in our world today. We wonder why we're surrounded by death. We watch death. Every one of our glowing screens goes nonstop teaching us death. Our games teach us death. Our movies teach us death. The commercials teach you slow death because they'll convince you of all the sicknesses and diseases that you don't have that now you're convinced that you do have because you watched the commercial that sold it to you. <laughs> and then you go buy the drug <laughs> with your faith. And then you wonder why you have the problem. Never mind. Your glowing screen is literally pumping incessantly, nonstop into your life. Death, 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 death. And then I come along and I, and I tell you for an hour, an hour and a half about life. And people have a hard time receiving it. And I get it because I'm so contrary. This stuff is so contrary to our world that people have an incredibly difficult time receiving it. The word gospel means such good news that it's literally almost too good to be true. If you're not hearing something that is almost too good to be true, then you're not actually hearing the gospel. So let me tell you some news that's almost too good to be true. You should not have a single sickness or disease come within a hundred feet of your body for the rest of your life. 
You should never have, in any form or fashion, any kind of lack or poverty affect your life for one second for the rest of your earthly existence. You should not have one single thought that is oppressive or depressive for the rest of the time you draw breath on this planet. I know. That is almost too good to be true. But that is also the exact thing that was purchased for you at the cross where God died. If you can believe God died, then you should be able to believe that what he died for was to give you something of divine quality. And seek not ye what ye shall eat. It's a lot of ye in. Or what ye shall drink. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. This is dealing with your physical existence and your soulish existence. Your thought life and your natural life. Jesus specifically, you could say command. You might think this is a suggestion or a good practice. One of the things that that I've done in my life that I would encourage you to at least consider is when the Lord says, do not do something, don't do it. When he says to do something, do it. I mean, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you're American. I mean, we are famous for telling people what cliff to jump off of when they tell us what to do or not do. Whatever. Maybe you're more Christian than American. If you are, then you have a Lord. If you're more American than Christian, well, then you're going to wear an American flag shirt and tell God to mind his own beeswax. For me, the first kingdom that I'm a part of is the kingdom of my God. And then I just happened to, for a few decades, live down here, and so I'm going to be a citizen of America. This is temporal. That's eternal. So I'm going to have way more honor for one kingdom over the other. You do whatever you want. The Lord said, don't do this. And I know that everybody, because you're in church right now, so you got all your spiritual juices flowing. And so you're saying, yeah, that's right. Not going to be all thinking about my natural life and my soul life. Okay. I made you raise your hand because you were going to tell me how many of you were going to eat pizza. We made plans for your natural life. What you shall eat. Pizza. What you shall drink. Spring water, not purified. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get off on that. Amen. Just don't drink purified water. Maybe I'll talk about that after church. Spring water. It doesn't mean like you shouldn't consider the fact that you're going to have to eat at some point. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't use your brain. What this is talking about is you thinking that you 
can somehow provide for you better than he can. You know, when you worry, you are on purpose conjuring up with your imagination things that could happen to you from hell. That's what worry is. That's why there's fear associated with worry. And fear will kill you. Fear will start your, stop your heart. I mean, it's medically proven. Fear will stop your heart. Fear will turn your hair gray or make it run away. Fear will, uh, will put people into terrible circumstances like divorce and, and, and torture, mental abuse, physical abuse, sexual All This is all driven by fear. You will never be in fear if your mind is stayed on him constantly because you trust him. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will, the Father will keep you in perfect peace. Perfected peace. For those whose minds are stayed on him. And then it even tells you what kind of a person has their mind stayed on him, which is those that trust in him. Because he trusts in me. You cannot be trusting your father for your natural provision and for your mental provision and not be in peace. So if you are not in peace, then you are not trusting him. And you can get mad at me all you want, but it doesn't change the scriptures. Amen. These are eternal truths, written by the one who made you. Anybody knows how you work, he does. Yeah. And he says, this is how you work. If you're in perfect peace, it's because your mind has stayed on him and you're trusting him. If you're not, you're not. Jesus said, seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. The word nations is ethnos, which is all the different groups of people on the earth. If you don't have a God, then you are not of his people group. And that's not God being mean. I hear this all the time. Well, we're every all people are... Are sons of God. We're all children of God. No, you're not. You're a children of God because you've been born again by God. If you haven't been born again by God, you've been born of this world. If you've been born of this world, you are a child of Satan. Is that shocking to anyone? You must be born again. If we're all children of God, then what in the world? We are wasting our time doing this church stuff, learning how to operate as sons of God. Because if we're all just born and we're all sons of God, well then go home. Eat, drink, be merry. Wasting your time at church. But if there's a whole other life that a person has to adopt, then they have to learn to die away the old way of thinking, the old way of living, and grow into that. So congratulations, you weirdos. You've come to learn how to do that in here. From me. <laughs> I 
know. Every time I think about it, too, it's the same. They're learning it from me. That's when my father says, no, you just let me talk through you. Just like we prayed. All these things do the nations of the world seek after. This is, a, this is really important for us to understand. The difference between the people of God, who are created in His image and His likeness, and the people not of God, created in the image and the likeness of Satan, this is one of the defining characteristics. It's what you think about. It's what your mind is stayed on. It is whether you're worried about your natural provision or not. And lots of you in this room spend 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week investing in what your mind is doing and providing the provision that your father may or may not provide for you. And your father knows that you have need of these things. I know that you're shocked by that because most people's prayer lives, because I've heard you pray. <laughs> God, let me tell you about all the things going on in me, in the nation, in my spouse. Because I know you don't know, so let me tell you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have to inform, poor, misinform God of all the problems because otherwise he wouldn't know. Because he's completely oblivious as to what's going on in your life. He knows. He actually knows more than you know. In fact, some of the things that you think you need, you don't need. And you're praying for him. And he's like, man, what do I do? Do I give them what they actually need or give them what they're asking for? Because what you're asking for sometimes will actually kill you. And he's a good father. Maybe this is some of the reasons that some of your prayer lives are like, eh. Because God's like, well, I'm not saying no, but I'm not going to give you something that's going to kill yourself. When I was a kid, I had to go to Boy Scouts. And in Boy Scouts, you had to have a totem chip. A totem chip, any Boy Scouts. Totem, okay, one boy, what the heck is wrong with this church? One Boy Scout? Two. Were you embarrassed by it? Three. Okay. Did you guys just get born again as Boy Scouts? All of a sudden. Okay, let me just talk to all. I, I don't even know. They could be lying. Oh, Boy Scout, I don't want you to feel alone, Pastor. As a Boy Scout, you had to get a totem chip before you were allowed to bring a knife to Boy Scout meetings and stuff. You could not carry a knife until you basically got a license from the Boy Scouts that was called a totem chip to tote it around so you could make chips with your knife. The reason that it wasn't because the Boy Scouts were mean, it's because they wanted you to only carry a knife if you knew how to handle a knife. I have a scar (laughs) right here. I'll show anybody later. It's still there. I got it when I was really little. When I was really little, the movie Commando, I think is what it was called, came out. And what's his name? Was it Sylvester Stallone? Arnold Schwarzenegger. So not that movie. 
Whichever the one that they, that he had the survival knife. Rambo. Rambo. You, you guys know how many movies I watch. Rambo had a, uh, survival knife. And it was the coolest thing ever. It had a compass at the top of it and you could screw it off and it had matches in it and a fish hook and fishing line and I don't know, you could put worms in there and you could screw the lid down and it had a sheath that had a little sharpening stone on it and it was, they were like five bucks. They were super, super cheap and really probably pretty dangerous. But I had one and I was like Rambo. <laughs> you should have seen my physique. We were really fat when we were kids. <laughs> so you can see me pretending to be Rambo, some fat little... It had to be embarrassing for my mother. It's am- this is how much my mother's love. So I had my Rambo knife, and I <laughs> this story's getting terrible right now. Had my shirt off, had my Rambo's knife. We lived next to, uh, in this trailer court that we lived, we moved from, we lived in pretty much every trailer court and, and Section 8 housing and housing complexes. We, we were professionals at being broke. <laughs> we wrote books on being broke. Anyway, I was standing on the railroad tracks, um, that was next to our, uh, our trailer court and I had my shirt off and I had my Rambo knife. And Rambo also knew how to do like, uh, martial arts stuff, you know, cause he was, he was just cool at everything. And so he would, you know, he'd take his knife out and he could fight with his knife. And so I was practicing cause I was going to be Rambo. So I got my knife out and I'm practicing with my knife, my shirt off, flexing for all the birds. And I got my knife, and I was holding it in, like, the stabbing position. And so, I, you know, when you're doing it, you can... And then I flipped it up and caught it. And stabbed it through my hand. And I still got the scar sticking from this side. And I realized... That you need to probably understand how to operate a survival knife if you are going to survive (laughs) with a big knife. So one of the first things I did when I got into Boy Scouts was I got that totem chip. And then when you get a totem chip, they re- one of the things they tell you not to do is stab yourself in the hand with your survival knife. <clears throat> Some of you don't have your totem chips in the kingdom. And you literally use kingdom principles, some peripheral kingdom principles, to stab yourself and create spiritual scars. And then you're going to blame God or blame God's people for bad things that are in your life. And it's just because you never got your totem chip. 
teaching you how to get a totem ship if you listen closely. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things, but rather, you rather, the understood subject of that statement is you, people of God. You seek. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first. First. Which is number one above all things. First place. Nothing compares to. And for seek, it actually means to investigate or to pursue. It's not just uh, like you're seeking for the answer of, of the, the math problem or trying to figure out the science of of what, what creates table salt or something like that. It's talking about an actual seeking and pursuit that you're using your body, your mind, your every part of who you are, that you are pursuing this and investigating this. If you don't have questions about the things of God, you're not doing this. You should have multiple questions every time you encounter God. He made the universe with a couple of words, y'all. He can hold the universe in the span of his hand. This is the span. He can hold the universe in the span of his hand. And that God is in you. You figure that out. You let me know. You should have tons of questions. But he's a good father. He's not scared by your questions. He's secure enough in who he is to take your questions. But if you're not investigating, if you're not seeking after, and you don't have questions, you guys remember that I said the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus said, was he that comes to God as a little child. Not a little child immature, little child as an innocent and trusting And everybody in this room probably understands that a three-year-old's favorite word is why. Why? And some (laughs) 30-year-olds. First, investigate. First, pursue the kingdom of God. And then all these things. This is the heavenly formula for all the provision in your natural life. And for all the provision in your mental life. You first pursue and seek after investigate his things. How his kingdom works. How those principles operate in your life. And while you're doing that, he does this amazing thing where he sneaks around the backside and adds all of the things to your life that you need. And so you're seeking and pursuing after all that, and then you're like, man, I am really hungry. And you turn around, whoa, a big buffet table laid out in the presence of mine enemy. Who put that there? Your father. And then you sit down, have a great meal, eat too much, and then you go seeking and pursuing. First, his things. And then you turn around, and there's a dessert buffet table. 
He calls that beloved church. Fear not. Got one amen. I am like, never mind. Fear not, little flock. Little as in young, innocent, trusting. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure. Good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know one of the ways you can please your father? Let him! Stop resisting him by doing all your natural temporal stuff so you can bring in the eternal kingdom into your life today. The eternal kingdom is not for when you pass away and and the sweet by and by and while you're sitting on a cloud strumming a harp or whatever your idea is, God bless you. That is not the kingdom. The kingdom is here. Luke 17 says, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is in you. You don't have to call it down. You don't have to conjure it up. You don't have to work it up. It's in you now. Wherever Jesus lives is the kingdom. The king, dominion, kingdom, the king's dominion, is wherever the king has dominion. To the degree that the king has dominion in your heart, your life, is how big the kingdom is in you. To the degree that you don't let him be king or have dominion is how tiny, itty bitty the kingdom is in you. It's still there. Just little, itty bitty. Mustard seed size or mountain size. You choose. Choose you this day who you will serve. In John chapter 18, Jesus said this radical statement. This is moments before his atonement and crucifixion. Pilate was the the king of Judea. And he was also the second person to illegally condemn Jesus. Jesus was first condemned by the Jews and then secondly condemned by the Romans. That was necessary because he had to be condemned by religion and he had to be condemned by humanity. He had to be condemned both ways. Otherwise, you would be condemned by one or the other. But because he was already for you condemned by both, you cannot be condemned by either. You can condemn yourself. You're free to do that. Lots of people are really good professionals at it. But you cannot be condemned by religion, and you cannot be condemned by the natural world legally. They do try to do things illegally, but you don't have to accept that. Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, "Thou this thing, uh, Sayest thou this thing of thyself? In other words, Jesus was saying, Are you asking me for you, or are you asking for a friend? Okay, two of you got that? Where's the young people? Are you listening? Pilate said, Thank you, Mitch. 
Pilate said, are you a king? Jesus said, are you asking for you or are you asking for a friend? And it it seems like he's kind of being pokey, but it's for real. Because if Pilate was just asking to ask, what's the point? But if Pilate was asking for himself, you realize something was taking place in his heart. This is why Pilate wanted to try to wash the blood off his hands. But he could not. Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee? And then Pilate answered him, Am I a Jew? He, he got all kingly. He got all like American Christian. Well, who are you? Talk to me that way. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Are you hearing this? Not of this world. Of. It didn't say in. It says of. The substances or the way that this world works is not the way his kingdom works. You have got to get this if you are ever, ever going to be successful in this natural life. Almost everything in this natural world is backwards to how the kingdom works. This world is about slavery, bondage, sin, destruction, misery, pain, and God's kingdom is the kingdom that rules over all. It is about joy in the Holy Ghost, rightness, and peace. Romans 14 is up. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you have those three things operating in your life, you're pretty, you should pretty well know that the kingdom is taking place. Those of you that haven't had joy in a couple of days or decades, maybe not. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would all the Trump patriots get their AR-15s Yeah, you're laughing. Why are you laughing? Because there's a bunch of folks that are here. Well, if this stuff doesn't get fixed here pretty quick, I'm getting my gun, Betsy. Okay, and then what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. Exactly. Who are you going to shoot? Well, the bad people. Like people who shoot people? Those are bad people. His kingdom is not of this world. So if you're going to solve natural things with natural activity, then you are of this world. The way my father solves natural problems is with his son, the power and the authority that flows through his son into this world. That's why when you do things, you do them in Jesus' name. The word name means character, nature, essence, honor, and authority. Everything you do is supposed to be done in the character, nature, honor, essence, and authority.
of the king of all kings. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. It's not from here. But it's now here because it's in you and you are here. That's a great place for an amen for all the people that are carrying the kingdom around in their heart and in their lives that are supposed to be affecting this natural world instead of being complaining about it. Oh, no, uh I'd talk to you into it. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 4. Second Peter chapter 2. This is the second epistle of Peter. Kind of getting towards the end of it. There's only three chapters in it. Verse 4 says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. <laughs> I could go into a bunch of angelology, demonology, spiritual reality right here, but I won't. I'm resisting. Because I, don't, I can't nuke you all and then still get where we're trying to go. But let me just say this. This says that, God, that the angels that were working against God were cast to hell and chained. All of you that think that there's fallen angels messing with you, you have been lied to and believed it, you poor fools. <laughs> One laugh. <laughs> Get them, preacher. But cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. So the angels that fought against God, that God kicked out of heaven, are where? In hell. They're in hell. And they're... Held by what? Do you think God lets them out every once in a while come jack with you? No. Good answer. <laughs> to be reserved unto judgment. Uh, when I was a kid, and we did bad stuff, and Dad was going to whoop us, or spank us, whatever you want to say. We got whoopings. <laughs> we deserve most of them. The worst thing that could happen when you're going to get a whooping was for your dad to say, go in my room and get my belt and sit there until I come. I wanted to beat myself. Because sometimes it would be like two minutes or 20. 20 minutes, like torture. Two minutes, pain. What if you're an angel and you fought against God and you've been in hell ever since chained up waiting for the whooping? And people are scared of demonic slash... And I'll tell you what. Wait until I preach on Apec Duomai. I know I've been threatening. But we're like this close. I'm, I'm closing the gap. Verse 5, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, it's talking about the flood, that got rid of all the people that hated God. So this is God showing us, he saves the people that are committed to him, and the people that hate him, he deals with them. He deals with the people that hate him. Some of you all need to hear that. God deals with the people that hate him. 
and protects the people that love him. Would you like to have a pretty quick overview of eschatology? There you go. If you're going into the end of the end times that we're going into right now, and you are fearful, you have not read the book. Read the book. Spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a what? Well, I thought he was a boat builder. It's amazing what us preachers can pull off when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. We can do other things besides preach. We can. He's known for building a boat. This is how badly we don't know the scriptures. What God know, known him, knew him, what God knew him for was being a preacher of righteousness. Here's what's kind of funny. He preached righteousness for at least a hundred years. Because they believe it took about 95 years to build the boat. So he preached righteousness for a hundred years. Guess how many converts he got? <laughs> he got zero. <laughs> His family went because they're like, well, we got to go with dad. The whole world's going to get flooded. I mean, <laughs> built this boat for a hundred years for nothing. <laughs> so they all went. But he got zero converts. You, if you measure the truth that's taking place in an environment by the number of people that are gathered there, you're a fool. If you measure how effective beloved church is in preaching and teaching the culture of the king and his kingdom based upon how many empty or full chairs there are, you know how many people avoided Jesus? By the millions. And you know how many people are still avoiding Jesus? Don't measure with your own measuring sticks. It's not wise. Bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overflow, overthrow making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. <laughs> Our society is so ignorant. It's so ignorant. that it's, it's almost like reading a comic book sometimes when you read headlines on newspapers. It's, it's like they're making it up. Like, they don't know. We live in a time, 6,000 years of human history. And we, begot, we have gotten so advanced in the last 15 years that we don't know what gender a person is. And I'm not saying that to be funny. Like, I mean, that's, that is the wisdom of this world taking place. And I'm not, those folks that, that struggle with that stuff, like I have a ton of compassion on because they are literally 
have been attacked by a culture that on purpose is trying to destroy. Destroy their heart, their identity. If you can take away the basic simplicity of science, whether you're XX or XY chromosome, if you can make a person literally not understand those truths, what else can you take away from? There is no way that one of those kids would ever believe that they're in the nature and the image of God. If you don't know what gender you are, and I, and I need us to understand this stuff. When I'm talking about this stuff, it's not that I'm taking some kind of political stance or I'm, I'm mad at, at people that aren't like me or something like this. I'm trying to get us to understand that if a person doesn't understand divinely created sexuality, divinely created identity, if a person doesn't understand those things, they are being destroyed. And we have a responsibility to try to rescue them and say, no, God created you perfect and beautifully. And He knit you together in your mother's womb. And in that knitting together, He put an identity and a purpose that is divine in scope and in nature. And I am here to try to help you find that. You don't walk up to someone that's trapped in darkness and trapped in pain and trapped in misery and say, you're an idiot. And the church has done a ton of that. And we wonder why the world is not so excited about being around us. And delivered just or righteous Lot. Now I want you to get this. So we're gonna we're gonna expand this a smidge. God delivered righteous Lot. Now I want you to see some of the most gripping words in all of the Bible. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Vexed. I want to read this in a couple other versions. In the New King James, it says, Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Some of you have experienced this. In the Berean Bible, it says, A righteous man distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. The English Standard Version says, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. Oh, man. One of the shocking things for me when I go um, do mission work in other countries is it is like a slap in the face how aware I become of how sexualized America is. You can't sell toilet paper without naked people. Think about it. Like every commercial, they're either naked or sick. You can't sell a car. You can't sell a computer. You can't sell... I haven't seen commercials in a long time. But, I mean, they're just filled with these beautiful naked people. They sell everything with sex. And if it ain't sex, they're going to sell it with fear. You might get sick. You better buy the drug. You might have this happen. You better get this insurance. You better. It's either fear or sex that they sell everything with. We are baptized in a culture 
that is like this, and you think that it's not going to affect you. Oh, come on, please. These things affect us. The New Living Translation, a righteous man who is sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Shameful immorality. The NIV, a righteous man who is distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. Amplified says, who was tormented, tormented by the immoral conduct of unprincipled and ungodly men. A righteous man was tormented. I know most of you think if you were righteous and you were really, you really understood your righteousness, there, you wouldn't be tormented. You'd be floating from cloud to cloud, experiencing rainbows, butterflies, and Jesus. Lot was righteous. The Bible calls him righteous. And just so you know, there was only about four people in the whole Old Testament that I know of, the scriptures specifically say, were righteous. And Lot was one of them. And he was being tormented, oppressed by his environment. And these verses are in here specifically telling us that we need to use this as an awareness factor about what went down. Sodom and Gomorrah to this day is barren. You can go to Sodom and Gomorrah, where they believe Sodom and Gomorrah is, and you can still find the rocks that came from heaven that were on fire. Sodom and Gomorrah is about this far from the Dead Sea. Do you know why the Dead Sea is dead? And we're making fun of people like you and I who believe in righteousness and how God defines humanity and how God defines sexuality and how God defines all these things. We are the butt of the jokes of this world that live in a desert with rocks that were on fire next to a dead sea. And it is tormenting our souls. This is why many of us won't speak out about it. This is why I am in the 1% of churches that actually talk about these subject matters. Because people leave by the droves if you start talking about cultural things. Just tell us the gospel. I don't know what other book to use. If you have a different reference book for Christianity, let me know. I want to show you this in Genesis 13, verse 1. Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that they had. And Lot with him in the south. I don't have time to get into Abraham's life, but he's like the called guy. He's the guy. And he took Lot and his father-in-law with him. I'm going to get into that in a minute. And Abram was very rich. (laughs) Oh, that'll mess with you. So a person listening to God and being obedient to God was very rich. (laughs) All of you people that think that poverty is godliness, you need to take Abraham out of your Bible. The father of the faith. 
God made them rich. Hey, just so you know, those of you that aren't struggling with this, just so you know, God is no respecter of persons. If God would make Abram rich, would he make you rich? I'm just asking, because some people are like, no, of course not. Okay. Abram was very rich. (laughs) You know what very means in the King James Old Testament Hebrew? And humility and godliness. Oh, in cows and silver and bling. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Phulai. Unto the place of the altar. Altars are important in the Bible. Altars are places that you and God met. And you need to have some of those. I have an altar. I was on an American Airlines plane. And that altar was built by How He Loves Me. The song by Crowder. That altar will stand for the rest of my life. Still to this day, when we sing How He Loves Me, I struggle to play the drums. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. God doesn't make altars, we make them. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. (gasps) Lot was rich too. Lot was rich. Because he hung out with the guy who God made rich because God made him rich. And so because he was hanging out with the guy that God made rich, he got rich. Um, Let me just put this off on the side. This is a parenthetical statement. The father has great plans for Steve's wealth in every way you can measure wealth. And if you want to come along with me, you're welcome. Maybe some stuff will rub off on you. It did on Lot. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was so great. (laughs) Are, Are you following this? This is pretty rich. Because there's... Their stuff, substance was so great, so they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abraham said to Lot, Abram said unto Lot, let there not be strife. This man was so wise. Strife will kill you so badly, so quickly, so terribly. And the amazing part is, there's a bunch of folks in Christianity that think that creating drama in their life is actually godly. (laughs) The Bible actually says, throw out the scorner. There are six things that the Lord hates. Behold, seven things are an abomination to him. Do you know what the thing that the Lord hates that's number seven that turned the whole list from hate to abomination is? 
He who sows discord among the brethren. You know, there are people that literally walk around churches with badges on that say, hey, I'm the one that sows discord among the brethren. An abomination. Let there be no strife between me and you, and between our herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. A simple statement, and so profound. Is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. If you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Let me ask you this real quick. Who did God give all this land to? Abram. This all belongs to Abram. And Abram says, you take whatever you want. Whichever way you go, I'll go the other way. Oh my gosh. This is kingdom. This is kingdom. God gave you everything. So if you give away something, you're actually not giving it away. Because he gave you everything. And he knew this. Abraham knew this. Abram knew this. He knew that God said. And he was faithful. And so there was no problem him giving it away. Whatever you hang on to actually has value to you. What had value to Abram was the promise, not the stuff. Not even the land, y'all. And land, just so you know, was as expensive and as valuable back then as it is now. And he went to Lot, who didn't wasn't even a part of the promise. Who actually delayed Abram 15 years. God told Abram to leave your country and leave your family. So Abraham left his company, country and took his family. Just like most people in the body of Christ today. Well, I can't go all the way in for God. I got family. What would my parents say? I know. What would your parents say if you went all in for God? Well, they'd say, I'm weird. I know. And that will stop you. What will my children say? What will your children say if they literally watch their parents grow up in a completely committed life unto God? What would your children say? This cost Abram 15 years because he took his father-in-law and he took his nephew. Because he was a good guy, because he was kind. Many people in the body of Christ are more kind than God. cost him 15 years. And you can do it. If you want to appease everybody in your life, you can. It might cost you 15 years. And Lot lifted up his eyes, verse 10, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Even as the garden of the Lord. That's the Garden of Eden. Sodom and Gomorrah used to look like the Garden of Eden. Sodom and Gomorrah used to look like the Garden of Eden. You can pull up pictures today. (laughs) Not. That's what sin will do. 
It is a black and white topography, geological reality that you can pull it up. It literally still sits there as an example. This is what happens when people violate the way God created. And if you think that I'm just talking about homosexuality or sodomy from Sodom, you're wrong. That's just the fruit. The root was something different. And we're going to look at that in a sec. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves from one to another. So let's say someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I have this great job opportunity for you. It will triple your income. You are going to get a company car. You're going to get a company credit card. All you got to do is leave the group of people that God told you to be with. And you can have all of this. You know how many people are not in Beloved Church? Listen to me. You know how many people are not in Beloved Church? Because it's a long way to drive. Because I preach for an hour and a half. I mean, I, you know, I could listen to a sermon for an hour. For an hour and a half. Well, I could invest two hours to God on a Sunday morning, but four? And drive time? Do you know what the cost of gas is? Uh, are you following me? You know how normal you would be for someone to ask you where you used to go to church and why you left? Well, it was an hour away. And the guy preached for like two hours. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you lasted as long as you did. I want you to see this. This is normal in today's world. You have to have the church that's 10 blocks from your house. And it better be 50 minutes, three points in a poem. I mean, start to finish, including a bathroom break. This is the world today. And if you don't have the right smoke machine, tight jeans and big screens, I am outie. And did you see that drummer? He has lost his mind. And they preach out of the Bible. I mean, don't they know about the other books? They give time. They, like, buy pizza and give time for people to stay after church and find out about the future. These people are absolutely crazy. It is normal for you to look at the Garden of Eden down by Sodom and Gomorrah. Shh. Where it's well watered and it's beautiful and everything looks great over there. And this is a good job. And this is lots of money. And this is where all the cool kids hang out. And you know what Abram did? Okay. You go there. I'll go to the desert looking place. Does anybody know how this turned out? 
Let me, let me help you. Let me tell you the future of the Bible. I read it. Lot and his wife, not sure if his children were there yet or not. Doesn't matter. But Lot took his family and all of his wealth. Dude was crazy rich. And went and lived facing Sodom and Gomorrah. And his soul was vexed and vexed and vexed and vexed and vexed. And he became poorer and poorer and poorer. So eventually he moved inside the city and lived among the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the end result in Lot's life was that two of his daughters ended up staying in Sodom and Gomorrah with their husbands and were destroyed with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. His other two virgin daughters, who left with him because God rescued them, his other two virgin daughters became pregnant through incest. And Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. Lot lost everything by going to the wealthy place. This is supposed to stand in stark contrast between the two differences of kingdoms. The kingdom of your God is not of this world. And so when you decide what to do in your life based upon what you're being presented by this world, be prepared for these end results that Lot had. But if you measure a different way, based upon what God has promised, based upon your trust in Him, you will have a different outcome. And Abram ended up going and rescuing Lot and getting back all of Lot's wealth and giving it back to him because Abram stayed in intimacy with his God while he moved to the desert. Lot made a mistake that is still often repeated many times. He evaluated where he should live based upon financial and physical or emotional criteria. He never took into account the spiritual climate of the area. That decision cost him his entire family, all of his wealth, his destiny, and his peace, just as it has many people here and now. Ezekiel 16, 49, and 50 says that the conditions in Sodom and Gomorrah that led to their debauchery, I told you that the sexual issues in Sodom and Gomorrah were the fruit Here's the root. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Is anybody alive in 2021? Pride, fullness of bread, idleness. If you are average, if you're average, and you are between 8 and 12 years old, You spend six hours a day on a glowing screen. Idleness. If you are between 13 and 19, 
you spend nine hours. No way. Yes way. If you are, I know, all the adults are like, well, I'm grown up. I don't do it. I know. All the adults in the room, you're at 4.6 hours. A day of idleness at a glowing screen. Well, I don't know what the Bible says. I can't remember the Bible like you. How do you think that I just have some kind of magical memorance? You spend time in those things, you get the result. That's what led to the sexual dysfunction in Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't like just a bunch of sexually messed up people got together and made a city. This is what created it. It's the same thing in our society. All the things that are going on in our society right now, fruit. Fruit. And we're mad at the fruit. And we're going to go kick the fruit. And scream at the fruit and cut the fruit. It's not the fruit. It's the root. What's the root? The same thing. Pride. Fullness of bread. You have too much stuff. Most people's lives are literally about managing their stuff. And an abundance of idleness. I am so busy. You have no idea. Okay, I'll follow you around for one whole day. We'll see how busy. Whoa, 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 preacher. First Corinthians 15.33 Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manner. The word for communication is talking about lifestyles. Evil lifestyles corrupt good manners. You stare at it long enough, it will corrupt you. Not me. I'm spiritually mature. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. What you are taking in is transforming you. You are being transformed. Either conformity to this world or transformity to the kingdom. But you are changing. Be like Abram. Choose what doesn't look right and trust your father. Don't be like Lot. It cost him everything. All right, I want to bless you, so please rise. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the beloved family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul your mind your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the father desires for you to have we love you 
And we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved. Just be-